We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, July 20th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. My guest today is fellow Rotowire correspondent, Jim Coventry. Jim, big question to start. Where are you planting your flag? There's one guy who's going to win you fantasy football championships this year. Who's it gonna be? I expect Eric Ebron to be that guy. <laughs> Love it. Pretty polarizing guy this year, but it sounds like you're on the hype train with him a little bit as well. I really expect that he was a super high draft pick, a top 10 pick. And normally these guys are gold over the course of time. And he's had a classic learning curve as he's improved over his first couple of years in the league. And it looks like everything is going in his direction now. And the biggest benefit to him is that Anquan Bolden is gone. And he had over 20 red zone targets this year. And Ebron seems like the guy that's going to probably take up a lot of that action. And I think they also want to get him into the seam stretcher role that he was designed for. So I think all the planets are going to align well for him, and I think he's going to be a top three to five guy at tight end this year. All right. Now, I am looking at the Yahoo ADP. All right? Yes. Eric Ebron, let's see, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, 
11, 12, 13, 14th, 15th, 16th at tight end behind Evan Engram. <laughs> behind. It's recency bias. It's absolutely recency bias. I know. Um, and there's not a lot of drafts here. I will say that. There's, you right. know, the, the, the bank of data is not huge, but yeah. He wasn't finding the end zone last year, and the Bolden factor was huge, and he dealt with some injuries, and he's healthy now, and you can only expect and hope that he'll stay healthy, and the talent usually wins out with these guys. Yep. And in the, the first three years, everything, you know, it's been a steady progression. And like you said, if last year the, the touchdown, let's say variance, we'll call it, was, was normal, he would have been a really strong option. I mean, the guy, you know, he missed three games. He, he caught, he, he basically was on a 75 catch pace. Yes. Which is pretty nice. You know, an 800, 850, 900 yard pace. So, and when I would watch him play, I, I mean, he is a very good player. He's a mismatch over the middle of the field. Teams struggle to, to, to cover him well, and he gets to the open spaces pretty well, and he shields his body pretty well. So, yeah, I, I like the skill set, and I think he translates real well, and he's going to be a big-time weapon in the middle of the field. I love this. I love We're on the same page with Eric Ebron, so I'm all, I'm all great. good with you there. All right. So we're going to agree on everything today. That's the way this is going to go. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Not a bad day. All right, everybody, we'd like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Also, we encourage you, you want to check us out on Twitter. Jim is at Jim Cov Football, Jim C-O-V Football. I am at Halpin 37 You can also catch us at Rotowire. Get player updates at Rotowire NFL or find us on Facebook. Please check that out. All right, we're going to talk. What I normally do, everybody, is, is I send people some topics ahead of time and ask them, if there's anything they'd like to talk about. Um, normally, I supply a lot of it. I got this note back from Jim. Hey, what about these guys? And there's a big, long list. Jim did, Jim did all the work today, basically. So he, he, we talked about some guys he likes and guys he doesn't like relative to ADP and relative to fantasy analyst ranking. Um, I've got some as well. But I want to talk about these guys because I thought it was a really interesting list. First guy, we are in, we are in lockstep on this guy, too. Kirk Imagine Cousins. that. Kirk Cousins. Um, yes. I talked the other day with, uh, I think it was Scott Fish, about what Cousins going, in the Scott Fish Bowl dress, Cousins going below uh, Mariota and Jameis and guys like that. And there's one other one. Let me check the rankings. And Carr. And, and, and Cam, even. And I don't get it because, I mean, Cousins, look, I know he's not sexy. And I know the Redskins don't seem to particularly like him too much. But or not not enough. I mean, I don't think Cousins is a star, but you know the volume's there. I know he lost receivers, but they brought in prior. They still have Jordan Reed. Um, you know, James Crowder's a nice player. I mean, he, they're going to throw a lot, and and I don't get why. I don't get why those other guys would go ahead of Cousins based on what we've seen the last two years. Um, I mean, tell me. Yeah, I'm sure you share some of the same thoughts, but why do you think you like Cousins more than other people? Well, the first thing is their defense is not likely going to be very good. They're going to be trailing quite a bit. Jay Gruden loves to be aggressive with his play calling from the, in terms of the passing attack. And the weapons that he lost in Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon have been very well replaced. I mean, especially with uh, bringing in Terrell Pryor, and we'll talk about him later. And Josh Dockton should be emerging a bit. So they're really well set at the receiver position, and they're going to throw a lot. And Cousins has proven over the last couple of years that he is going to produce when he has to throw the football. 
Uh, I, uh, I'm with you. And I, th- I think they are going to throw a lot. And, you know, the, the running back situation is, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, everybody's excited about the guy they drafted, but we don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, I kind of like Rob Kelly, actually. I think Rob Kelly's being underrated, but we're going to talk about him a little later. Um, sure. But, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, do you have uh, – I have Cousins ranked sixth at quarterback right now. I have him on any given day between fifth and seventh as I'm making my modifications, but he's right in that same spot that you have him, right beneath the elite guys. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'd be happy to take him. If he falls, I'm happy to take him. All right, the other guy you like more than other people, and, and this one's kind of interesting. Um, hey, he's a guy, to be quite honest, I, I won't say I disagree with you. I just think he's a guy I haven't thought about very much. And maybe it's because of where he is and the talent around him. But Brian Hoyer, why do you like Brian? How much do you like Brian Hoyer and why? Now, the first thing is, this is probably for a lot of people doing things like MFL 10s and all, and the, right. the best ball leagues where you're drafting 28 roster spots and you have a deep roster. You're going to need three quarterbacks in those leagues. And in that case, I do like Brian Hoyer. And first of all, it, it really gets past people. He's what I call a professional quarterback. He gets the ball to his receivers. And he's done last year in his little time in Chicago, he had a string of three straight 300 yard games with that receiving core because they had to throw the football because they were trailing. Well, now he goes out to San Francisco and he did play for Kyle Shanahan before, so he's familiar with the offense. The defense is not going to be strong. There are going to be many weeks they have to throw the ball 40 plus times. And he has Pierre Garcon. And even, you know, Jeremy Curley, again, professional receiver, not a sexy guy, but he has people he can get the football to. And Kyle Shanahan is a very good play designer, as we saw last year in Atlanta. So Hoyer as a third quarterback or even a low-end second quarterback with the throwing volume that will be done, his ability to be professional will make him a viable fantasy option this year. Okay, I think that's fair. And I think in a in a three quarterback thing, I can see it. And in a two quarterback, if you're waiting on, basically, let's say, if you've got Rodgers, Brady, or Breeze, and your your number two is, you know, you're, you're not put, you're not investing anything if you're drafting a number two. Um, Correct. I can see that. Okay, got it. All right, guys, you don't like. Uh, first is Matt Ryan. Uh, I'm going to guess that your reasoning is that you know. He's not as bad as he was the year before last. He's not as good as he showed last year, and maybe he's somewhere in the middle. Is that a fair one? That's very well worded. have to say that's fantastic. I do always look at the career year. When a year stands out for a player that's way outside of his career norm, I'm always looking for some significant regression the next year. Matt Ryan, in terms of the way he threw the football – To me, he looked like the same guy, but the play calling, and as I mentioned earlier about another player, planetary alignment. It was perfect for the Falcons last year. And Shanahan, it was like he was playing Texas Hold'em and drawing his ace on the river every time. And that's not going to keep up this year. He's going to go back to being the quarterback he was. And losing Shanahan, there is going to be a difference there. They can say they want to run the same offense, but it was his play calling in the moment that made that offense elite. Yeah, I, actually, this is, it brings me to another thing that I, I think I, I talked about earlier this week with someone. Um, Sarkeesian, do we have any clue there as to what he's going to – he said they say they can run the same offense. Do, do, did, did anything he did in college you – know, he, he, he's not a blank slate, but it's not like he's some coordinator or quarterback coach coming from another team that we can look at and say, 
I think I know what this guy's going to do. I like the questioning, and we have nothing concrete to go on here. And in that case, very few NFL play callers have had the type of success that Shanahan's had. So, again, like we're saying, you can run the offense, but is the play calling going to be to the same level? And I'm really hard-pressed to think that he'll be able to step in and be anywhere near the level that Shanahan was. All right. Um, let's go to the guys you're uh, – the other guy you're not in, Cam. Um, they talked about Cam not running as much. They've um, changed the pieces around him to where – and the way I've been describing it is they'll be less vertical, more horizontal. Um, what, why don't you like Cam so much this year? You know, one thing that I've done for years is I watch every – pretty much every snap of every game preseason and then regular and then postseason. And since day one with Cam Newton, I always said, this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn with a shotgun. <laughs> right. And when – exactly. And when things went well for him two years ago, you have a lot more um, latitude on deep balls where you can be off but your receivers can get it. But I really have concerns about him being able to make connections in the short to medium passing game consistently. And I also have concerns for, for him using McCaffrey well, because regardless of him not wanting to run as much, I think his instincts are so programmed to run that when a play breaks down, he's not going to look for the dump off. He's instinctively going to look to run. Yep. Uh, the thing, the, the issue I have with this, I think the. The big question, everybody on draft night, not just draft night, draft weekend, let's say, got really excited about what the Panthers did because by drafting McCaffrey and Samuel, everybody got into the whole conversation about movable chess pieces, and this is a positionless offense and that kind of stuff. And I think that's great, and I think it's really interesting. However, I I looked at it and I said, I don't know if this suits Cam because... Can, can he make these different kind of, let's say, timing touch throws? I don't know. I mean, do, do we have any? I, I'm not. I don't think he can't necessarily. I just. I have no idea. I don't know what to make of this and how it fits him. Very astute points. And from what I've seen from watching him game after game, year after year, I do not think the level of consistency in his passing profile is there for him to have any reasonable sustained success in a structured passing game. Yeah. I I think this is the million dollar question. I I think this is a question that, that we are all overlooking about the Panthers. I mean, I, I, I like Cam. I just don't know if this is the best fit for him. And I wonder if he's going to struggle. I guess when camp opens, we're going to find out. Okay. The other quarterback question I want to ask you, um, everybody loves Mariota and Jameis. Everybody. Do you? I did at the very beginning of the offseason as I was studying things up, and then I started to get a few questions. The first thing with Mariota is, and I think he is going to be a very good quarterback, but I really believe that Mike Malarkey is going to go with his exotic smash mouth, as he calls it, rushing attack, and that's the premise of their game. And I really think their defense is a sleeper unit this year, and I think they may not find themselves in as many unfavorable game scripts as they did last year. So I think they're going to be able to be a run-heavy team. And as good as I think Mariota is, I think they're not going to pass as much to bring about the fantasy production that people would expect investing Mariota heavily. Okay. 
I think that's fair. Um, what do you think about him? I, I, I like him. I like him as a quarterback, but I agree with you. Last year, they're, they're, they were near the bottom of the league in pass attempts. And I think, you know, I, I'm at the point of the season, of the preseason, where I sort of tinker with the rankings. And when they got Decker, I really like Decker. And, and I think that was a nice move for them. And it maybe look, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, all right, if they've got this quarterback that they really like, and they think he's ready to take the next step, and they've added to their receiving core, I'm, I'm not going to look at it and think they're going to run as much as they did last year. However, they're not going to become, you know, air malarkey either. You know, I, I think volume-wise, and, and, and my, the number one thing I think you need to look at with a quarterback, I mean, you, you can get into more advanced stats, certainly, but you, you, the volume's got to be there, right? And I don't Correct. know how much the volume's going to be there with Mariota. I, I, I think he could be a top 10 quarterback, and, and I actually have him just inside the top 10. I don't know if the elite ceiling is there just because I don't know if he's going to throw enough. Absolutely agreed. Excellent points. Okay. Um, now you asked about Jameis. Yes. Jameis is another guy. I had him higher. I had him. I started out with him about six at quarterback, and I've moved him down to eight, nine. Kind of, it's kind of varying there. But my concern is, I think at the end of the day, they also in Tampa Bay want to run the football more, and if they're able to put together a consistent rushing attack. They know, I noticed last year, even though their running attack was not good, they ran a lot in the second half. And they, they really took the ball out of Winston's hands more often than I thought they, they probably did. should have. Right. And that concerns me. Now, I love the change. And the, the Deshaun Jackson move was brilliant because defenses have to shade the safety to account for his speed. So Mike Evans should see far less attention. And when I was watching the games late last year, Evans was literally getting ganged up on. There were plays where there were three defenders near him. And I remember one where there was like a blanket of four guys near him. <laughs> and it, it was crazy. And I think the respect was so heavy for Evans. Well, now with Deshaun, it changes the whole outlook. And then, of course, bring Howard in and Bray is in his, you know, another year in. And, and I think they have enough weapons now where Jameis is going to be good. But, again, I'm concerned about the passing volume. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm debating that, too. But the thing is, I look, I look here. I have him ranked 10th. Yes. Yeah, you know, the guy, I'm looking at my rankings, and I'm going, based on what I just said about the volume, ranking Stafford behind Jameis doesn't make sense. And maybe ranking him behind Mariota. I think we underrate Stafford a little bit because the numbers are like always that. there with him. You're correct. All right. All right. So I got to move. I'm writing myself a note. Move up Stafford. There you go. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, my late round guys that I'm looking at. Uh, why do we hate Andy Dalton? Every year, everybody goes, oh, Andy Dalton. You know, and, and fa- as fantasy owners or analysts, we're supposed to look at the hard, raw numbers. And I know last year they weren't great for him. The year before, they were terrific. But we, I think we look at Dalton and we go, oh, you know, the playoff losses. And he's just Andy Dalton. And I don't think he gets enough respect. Uh, I, I, if he's my QB two, I'm pretty happy. Actually, in the in the Scott Fishbowl, I wound up with him as my QB one because everybody jumped on quarterbacks early. But I, I like Dalton. Do you like Dalton? I can absolutely see the case to be made for him. He is, and I use this word a lot. He's a professional quarterback, and he has good weapons. 
Um, and in theory, adding John Ross adds a new element. My concern is their offensive line has been deteriorating for a couple of years now. And I'm concerned that line may go into free fall this year. And if that's the case, the, the concerning factors for me are Dalton's lack of arm strength combined with potentially more pass rush getting to him than he's seen in the past. And I'm concerned about how well he'll do facing more pressure than he's been used to in what used to be an excellent offensive line. Okay. Um, That's my concern. I, I, I see that. Um, the, the other one, real quick, I want to talk about Carson Wentz. I feel like everybody hates Carson Wentz right now. All the fantasy, all the fantasy people in our business, uh, ugh, yuck, he was terrible. And I'm going, he's, he was a rookie. I mean, I think I, I liked what I saw. I know there were bad things about what we saw, but I, and, and, and maybe it's, it's naive to go, well, he's going to get better. But I think he's going to get better. Do you think he's going to get better? It's a very difficult question. I'm concerned when you bring in new receivers, Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know how much run Torrey Smith is going to get. But they're trying to integrate new players into a system that the quarterback himself is learning. I think there is clearly a case where Wentz could have a second-year breakout. But a lot of things chemistry-wise would have to accelerate extremely quickly. I love his tight end, Ertz. Jordan Matthews is reliable, so he has the weapons. What we saw last year, and he, oh, by the way, he has a great offensive line, too. Yep. And, and, and so a natural progression, yeah, I could easily buy Wentz. I haven't had him high on my list, but he's somebody, now that you're bringing it up, I'm going to take a little closer look at to rethink it. Got it. But he is somebody we need to look at. Okay. Um, everybody, we got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, and where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play. Easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. Jim, I asked someone this the other day. Are you a, uh, a, on Sundays during the games, are you a computer guy or an app guy? Um, honestly, I'm neither. My setup on Sunday is... I have a pretty big TV with a fit, pretty fast processor, yep. and I use the NFL game mix, and I have eight games at a time going on the screen. Okay. And I narrate notes to myself. I keep a headphone on, and I narrate notes as I go, and I don't watch my fantasy scores until all the games are over. But you're the one that doesn't do that. You're the guy. <laughs> all the people who say they don't watch their fantasy scores, you're the guy who doesn't watch his fantasy scores. Correct. And simple reasoning. There may be a player I have, but if I even know who my opponent has in their lineup, I may have the same guy against me, Yeah, guy in my lineup, so I don't even look at my opponent's lineups. Okay. It's probably smart. It Is saves he, me some stress. Yeah, it sure says. Well, how many teams are we talking about? What do you usually play? Usually about 12. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually got down to five last year just because smart. I hated rooting against myself. Correct. Just, I, I get, I mean, I did plenty of mocks and maybe I should do more leagues, but I got to the point where I said, I just can't, it's not fun anymore to, to root against myself. So 
All right. Dude, maybe you need to get on the train of not watching the scoring. I think I do. My, I think my wife would appreciate that. Definitely. She would. Yeah, because she likes to watch football. She's like, oh, you're on the phone again? Really? Wow. <laughs> but Twitter's on the phone. I have to see what's up with the injuries. That's all right. Awesome. The Yahoo Fantasy App Messenger allows for all the witty banner and smack talk your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, allowing you to draft, trade, and comb waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo, where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash yahoo. That's rotowire.com. Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. All right, we're going to go to running backs. Guys, you like the crow. Feed the crow. You like crow. Here's the thing. You feel like you like Crowell more than other people, but I feel like he's a pretty popular guy already. How, how, where do you have him ranked? I have him ranked 13th at running back. Okay. It's a little higher. Yeah. yeah, it's a little higher than and, and actually in the earlier in the preseason, it was a bigger gap. Yes. But the gap is catching up. There's a lot of buzz on Crowell right now. So I, I you are correct in saying um, my like for him is not so far removed from the masses as time moves on. All right. Yeah, I, I like him too, and I think they're gonna give him the ball a lot and, and he, he's a really talented I'm 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 good. I have him thirteenth thirteenth as well, so I'm good. Um Dalvin Cook. So I feel like the hype train is is growing here with Dalvin Cook. He's versatile, which is nice. You know, he can catch the ball a little bit. Um, he was explosive. It's funny. I think when we watched him, when when we project during the season where guys are going to go in drafts, and then when the draft come, comes around in April, some guys are very different. And Dalvin Cook was one of those guys because I think when we all watched him during the season, everybody went, "Ooh, top ten pick," and then he wasn't. Because, you know, when he got timed in his 40, it was, oh, it's not that fast. Um, <laughs> however, Dalvin Cook's a really good looking back. And the guys that he's competing against, being Latavius Murray, eh, you know, fine, maybe a short yardage guy. Um, what kind of investment are you prepared to make in Dalvin Cook? Well, what I'm looking to do is, I, I, mean, I know we'll talk a little about this later, but I'm trying to get three running backs that I like in the first five rounds, and that's hard to find. So often if I'm getting to the fourth round and even in some drafts, the fifth round, if Cook is sitting there, but fifth round isn't going to happen much anymore because of the hype train. But even in the fourth round, I will look to invest in him at that point because I feel that I need depth at running back if I can get it. Okay. You, you feel like you need to – actually, this is something I want to ask. I was going to ask you later, but I'm going to ask you now. You want to draft three backs relatively early. Why? Three guys who are high on my list only because I see too many landmines with players throughout the board. But so like I'm saying, Crowell is a guy I'm targeting, Dalvin Cook. Abdullah and Perkins, and we'll talk about them later, but these are guys who I can get, and I know Perkins typically goes a little later, but I think the fall-off after where I have my list of top guys goes, it's too much of a dart throw, and then we get into the war of attrition with injuries, so I have a list of players with uh, who, based on their typical ADP, I'm able to get at these points in the draft, and again, it's just because I I feel my lack of trust in so many of the running backs is greater than it's been in the past. Okay. So you want to make sure you trust. You've got three backs you can trust, and you'll worry about the wide receivers later. So you're basically going, you're the anti-zero RB guy. 
this year. Yes, but I, I do like to get one good receiver in those first few rounds, and I've been able to do that in the drafts I've done so far. But, um, but and as we'll talk, and when we get to wide receivers later, there are so many receivers that I have a personal preference toward this year who are going later. That's why I'm happy taking the running backs earlier because I'm getting a lot of my guys as draft, the draft goes on. Okay. Um, the other guys you mentioned, Abdullah and Perkins. Um, I like Abdullah more than Perkins because Correct. I think Abdullah is a – there's the path. I think is he, he was one of the guys – I did some zero RB last year, and he was one of the guys I targeted, and I was so disappointed when he got hurt. Um, no. but he, he's someone who I can see in a lead role, and I think he can catch – even though they've got a great receiving back there, I think he can catch the ball a little bit too. Perkins, I mean, I think early downs you might see Perkins, but that team that team's got such a – messed up O-line. And, you know, having grown up a Giants fan, I just, you know, I, I watch them more than most teams. And I, I don't know about this. I, I, I'd like Perkins if I could get him in, you know, round seven, but otherwise I don't think so. Um, uh, so you like Abdullah more than Perkins too? Absolutely, yes. Um, Abdullah's I'm targeting quite a bit earlier. And as long as I have to get him in the fourth round because if running backs are flying off the board, I know he's not going to be there later. But as you said, I do fully trust him. The injury stuff I can't really be too concerned about is Liz Frank last year. That's not a, a you know, it's not like a knee injury. Right. But, but, but his explosion is why they drafted him. They drafted him to kind of be what Reggie Bush was to them a number of years back. And I see that. I see that. And so, and I see that he's going to be able to have a great opportunity. And like you said, Riddick is there, but I think Abdullah's going to get more than his share of passing targets. Yeah, and, and you don't have to spend on Abdullah like you did two years ago when he had those two preseason games and everybody thought he was the greatest running back ever. Yes, oh, the, the, his, yeah, his cost went through the roof at that point. It was amazing. I remember watching that, and I think what they played the Jets in a preseason game, and I think he ran a 70-yard touchdown or something. And I, just went, I, I, kinda, I, I remember watching that play going, I'm out. Forget it. Thank yep. you. I'm good. <laughs> All right. It reminds me with Arian Foster at the 200-yard game against the Cowboys in the preseason, and I already had him high on my list. I didn't get him anywhere. Right. The hype. The hype can can go a little crazy. All right. Two other backs you like that you can get late. Um, Jamal Charles first. So a little crowded there. See, I like C.J. Anderson still, but uh, Jamal Charles. You know, the investment is not big. Are you? Expect it's hard to say expect, but but you're you're looking for a decent season from him. Yes, and here's my my rationale on him. I have no medical information that that isn't out there, so I don't know that his knee is going to be a hundred percent. But it seems that he's going to be ready for camp. And what I say about Charles is this. I'm not saying in any way if he is not going to the Hall of Fame, but when he's on the field, he is a Hall of Fame talent player. He matches up with any player that's been an explosive back over time. And if he's healthy, there is no way that the coaching staff's like, you know what, we're going to let CJ play. Charles is a dominant running back, and he will be 30 this year if I'm correct. But he's had a couple of lost seasons. Yes. So he doesn't have the mileage on his tires. And I don't think he's at that over-the-hill point. If his knee checks out, he's the Jamal Charles that we expected over the last few years, aside from the injuries. And, and I think he could be a league winner if he checks out healthy. He cannot be kept off the field if he's healthy. Okay, that's fair. And that's, that's a big if, like you said, but the investment to get him is not a big one. Okay. Um, the other back, Deion Lewis. 
So everybody, Mike Gillisley is the popular Patriot running back. Um, and then there's a, 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 a trio of guys who, I don't want to say similar, but let's say they're, they're not early down back types. They're more third down pass catching versatile types. Um, Lewis is your favorite. Last year, it's funny, the last few games of the regular season, they really got him back involved. And then in the postseason, especially the Super Bowl, it was kind of like, eh, maybe, kind of, sort of. You know, why, why do you think Deion Lewis is going to merge over, say, James White? Okay, the first thing is um, I had heard a report that, that Bill Belichick had made a statement that he looks back to his explosive self, and I'm paraphrasing that, obviously. And Deion Lewis, when healthy, is a special player. He can do things that most running backs can't do. He flashed that in Cleveland a number of years back. Uh, you're going there in training camp before he broke his leg. But when he's been healthy, and last year I don't believe he was ever 100%, and he is a player who's special. And Belichick understands more than anybody when he has a weapon that can be deployed dynamically, he will do that. Now, I'll target Lewis more in best ball leagues than I will in weekly leagues because it's going to be very difficult to understand those weeks when Belichick's going to say, you know what, you're getting three touches this week. (laughs) We know exactly how that goes. Yes. But I think in the best ball league, Lewis being a dynamic player is somebody to target. Now, to answer your point about the playoffs, he fumbled. He He put the ball on the carpet, I believe, twice. In the, in, the, in the game where he scored multiple touchdowns, and and I know with Belichick, that was his punishment. Okay. Um, and it looks like a around thirteen costs everybody, so it doesn't cost you much to find this one out. Um, next guy, I, I I feel like I've made it my my mission to that I have to mention this guy on every podcast I do in the preseason. I have to ask everybody their opinion. Are you in on the Joe Mixon hype? <laughs> um, mildly, and here's why. I mentioned earlier that their offensive line is getting worse each year as it goes, and they're not going to be probably a very good offensive line. But I think the Bengals are trying to put some passing weapons out there, and it looks to me that they're going to want to spread the field. Because you bring in Ross, Eifert assuming health, A.J. Green. They drafted Boyd last year. I think they're going to try to counteract their bad line by spreading it out. In which case, Mixon, and this is going to be my case for Perkins, who we talked about earlier, both of those running backs behind bad offensive lines are going to probably be in situations with the spread offense, and they're going to find more lanes to run, and I think that's going to counteract some of the negativity behind them. So that's why I like Mixon. I think he has the dynamic element that if he is in a spread attack, I think that defenses may find themselves in the nickel more, and that's going to give him better opportunity to get to the second level on some runs. Okay, so I don't have anything against Joe Mixon, I ha- except for where he's being drafted. I think the points you just made are very good ones. I don't think that I want to spend a third-round pick to find out, and right now that seems to be where you need to go. You know what I mean? I, I still think what I keep saying is I know Jeremy Hill might be, as Greg Ambrosia said to me the other day, just a guy. But he's he's scored 20, what, nine touchdowns in three seasons, and I have a hard time believing he's just going to disappear. And My thought on – oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead, John. I was just going to say, and taking Joe Mixon means – where I'm taking him means he is an every-week fantasy starter for me in a situation where – 
he might not have the whole job. I like your point. The Jeremy Hill thing, when their line was really good, he still was struggling to get to four yards to carry. Yeah. But he could score from the goal line because they had a really good offensive line and, you know, just run it up in the gut and move. But their line is way worse now, and Hill can't make much on his own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a real big problem. I think they're phasing him out quickly. I think they realize that, he, you know, if you can't run for four yards to carry and your line's getting worse and you're a plotter, it's not looking like you're the solution. It looks like you're part. And I think when the NFL teams are putting such draft capital in running backs, high picks, it's making a clear statement that this is going to be their guy. And they were trying to get rid of Hill during the offseason, too. I mean, I get that. I, I, I get the Mixon over Hill. I don't know if I believe only Mixon. That's all. Um, and it's a fair point. All right. Guys you don't like, uh, I'm going to jump around here. Um, we talked about basically your, you know, uh, you don't like C.J. Anderson and James White, but we already talked about why you like the guys, the other guys on their teams. Um, Todd Gurley. So in his rookie season, the, the difference between Todd Gurley's rookie season and his second season were that he, was, he, he made something out of nothing. In his rookie season, he had he had a bad quarterback and bad lines in both instances, but he broke off some big plays as a rookie. You're you just see? Do you think the situation is just a, a no win for Todd Gurley? To say it's a no win, that, that that's a difficult question. Let me frame it this way: I've often thought that you can fool the NFL for a while, and I think it worked to Gurley's advantage that. As a rookie, he wasn't in from day one. And I think when he burst on the scene, I think the teams were already kind of preparing for the horrible Rams. And I think he took advantage of teams that weren't ready for him, weren't looking for him. And I think he had some huge games. Last year, I don't even know if this is a proper word, I can't unsee what I saw every week. <laughs> right. He, he was run into the line. He wasn't breaking tackles. I remember late in the season, he had a game against the 49ers, and I said, okay, for DFS, let me put a little bit yep. you know, of, of action on him because everybody is torching the 49ers. It was a point where they were giving up 150 yards a week for like a, a five- or six-week span, and Gurley didn't do much against him. And I'm thinking, wow, not even against the 49ers who are hemorrhaging rushing yards. So I don't know if this is recency bias, but I didn't see anything last year that made me feel, oh, yeah, well, he's going to turn the corner and everybody's going to be fine this year. And for a second-round pick, I, I cannot trust that. Okay. Um, yeah, second-round pick, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, first-round types. You don't like Melvin Gordon or Jay Ajayi. I, I, I asked someone the other day if we were overrating Gordon a little bit just because the performance was the volume was there the performance was not necessarily but but tell me your thoughts on both of those guys because to get either one you're investing a first round pick at this point Gordon seemed to be very touchdown dependent last year he seemed to be able to find the end zone especially in like the first half of the season he was constantly finding the end zone and i know his rookie year it was like he couldn't find the end zone i think the touchdown dependency that worries me because touchdowns are very fickle 
and he didn't even crack four yards of carry last year. And so, again, we're looking at a running back who's potentially ordinary. And if that's the case with my first-round pick and I'm going to have to be worried about touchdown dependency, that troubles me. Right. And then Ajayi, when I was looking over, I was – doing a blurb for um, Rotowire in the, for the magazine. And I looked at Ajayi, and in this, the, the latter part of the season, he was under three yards a carry in the majority of his last eight games. Okay, and yep. So oh. he, he had some huge games, but if you can't run for three yards a carry in a number of games, it was once the teams figured out that Miami wanted to be a run-heavy team, that teams started stacking the box, and all of a sudden – Ajayi can't find yards anymore. That troubled me. At, that one of the, at one of the teams, he was he was sixteen for eighteen for forty five against the 49ers in Week Twelve, which yes. is kind of interesting. Okay, um, and I remember he had done well against the Steelers earlier in the season, but then when they got to the playoffs, he was right around two yards or so a carry. Okay, I don't know. Um, I'm debating Gordon. I think I'm still in on Ajayi. I want to go back to the Patriots real quick. Sure. So we talked about you like Deion Lewis. You are not in on on James White or Gillisley for that matter. Um, what about Burkhead? I keep I keep getting to the end of mocks and drafts and wanting to pick Burkhead. And I think one of the things you 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 always need to take the the coach speech and the media reports. You you need to account for them, but you can't depend on them. But I felt like the reports from OTAs were glowing about Burkett. And the thing you see, you know, he's, he, I think the things that struck me is when people said he's going to be on the field because he can do everything. He can run, he can catch, and he can block. Always a huge factor that, that sometimes fantasy owners don't think about. Um, the, the downside here, and again, this is not a big investment, he might be some sort of special teams ace, which is not a great thing. <laughs> because if the coach loves him on special teams, he's going to want to keep him off the field. He's not going to want to lose him, and if he has other backs that he thinks can do the same job. Um, any merit to, I mean, any interest in Burkhead for you at all in, in, as a late-round dart? You know, at the end of last season, I picked up Burkhead in a dynasty league, hoping he would sign somewhere, and I was super excited when the Patriots, like, they actually paid him. They gave him some real money. Yep. And then they gave more money to Gillisley. Well, my point with Burkhead is I absolutely love him as a player. I think if he's given the chance, he is going to flourish and be a very good player and a fantasy asset. But now with the crowded situation, all right, he's a great pass catcher. But Deion Lewis and James White are going to be probably better pass options. So how much of the passing pie is he going to get? And now at best, we're probably looking at him splitting early down work with Gillisley. Yeah. Now I'm concerned, where's the workload going to come from? He's going to so far have to outshine them, and he possibly can. And I think this is what you're seeing. I believe he could be easily better than Gillisley, and he could take that role right away from him. Okay. But the Patriots saw something in him because they paid Gillisley more money than they paid Burkhead. Right. Okay. Um, I want to jump to the old guys. (laughs) Lynch and Peterson. Um. I'm not going to own either one. The one that really bothers me is Lynch because I get that the situation is perfect. It's perfect. 
You, you can't. I mean, he walks in the spot with this great line and and a good quarterback and receivers, which means he's probably going to have room to run. They're not going to be able to, as you use the term, stack the box against him. He's 31, and he basically hasn't played for a year and a half. I mean, last year he didn't play. The year before, he was hurt a lot and didn't play much. It wasn't that great. I mean, I know the line was bad in Seattle. I I, I can't spend a second-round pick on this guy. I think it's I think it's crazy to spend a second-round pick on Marshawn Lynch. I want to hear what you think of that. Imagine this, John. We're agreeing. Yes. <laughs> this, is, to me, is a no-brainer. Earl Campbell, does that name strike a bell with you? Oh, yeah, I loved watching Earl Campbell. I'm, you know, I'm an old guy, so I loved watching Earl Me too. He was my favorite player ever. <laughs> and he and a string of many, many, many power backs that followed him, I learned very quickly, oh, these guys play a very violent game, and they deteriorate very quickly, and they go from being great to being useless in a big hurry. Mm-hmm. Lynch's last year in the league, I would not touch him. He was already getting dinged up, which is what happens the, when you know you begin to age. And his effectiveness was starting to drop a little bit, and I already saw it. And time off, that doesn't change it. When you're a power back and you've been beaten down, you can't just take a year off and be cool. That damage has been done, and you're not coming back from it. Notice these guys don't retire and come back three years later and say, you know what, let's give it a roll again. They can't. And Lynch is going to have a great line, but he's not going to get any separation. He's not going to break tackles like he used to. And three yards in a cloud of dust is, I think, is all we're looking at. And at some point, they're going to realize, you know what? We're going to have to use him in a committee approach, and it's not going to be that big of a part of the committee. I, I agree with you. And I think the thing I'm looking at here with him, it, other than what I said already, he's going – he's a top 12 running back. He's going mid-second round at the ADP I'm looking at. Last year, I think that might be where we would have drafted him based on his injury issues and performance issues the year before. Now, with an extra year off, we're drafting him in a similar spot. Which, and I know the situation is better, like I said, but I, I, no way. No way. It's nostalgia. People get so nostalgic about Lynch. They remember the beast mode runs, and everybody's all excited. And it's really easy to forget when a guy's been away. They forget the end of what it really was like. And his last time, they were remembering the glory days, and they were drafting him. And like you said, the great offensive line, the solid offense. And they're thinking, this is a no-brainer. Uh, not that easy. Okay, so if you are, if you are shorting Lynch – and you're taking a – let's say you're drafting your fifth running back late in the draft. Which Raider would you prefer? None of the above. And here's why. You remember last year? They were so patchwork. There was no consistency of roles. They had multiple players deeper on the depth chart in the lineup. And week to week, you never knew who was going to get what. Jalen Richard was getting a little more passing down work. But then some weeks they would trust Washington. Other weeks they wouldn't use him. And so they showed that they have no commitment to any of those guys. And unless I see something in training camp that lets me think, oh, this guy is taking a step forward and they're going to have to keep him on the field, until I see something like that, the coaching staff showed that they are going to completely make a patchwork out of that backfield. Okay. Um, I do. Th- they did – Washington got more work than Richard over the last few weeks when Murray didn't – he was banged up. I don't know. He, I, feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm throwing that dart at him a little bit. 
Uh-huh. Washington, I agree, would be the one player. If you were to tell me there was a super late pick and there was one, I do have him ranked higher than the other running backs. So based on that, I totally agree. He would be the first one that would come off my draft board. All right. Um, the, the other old guy, Peterson, sneaking into the top 20 running backs. Uh, look, I, I don't understand why they brought him in. I like Mark Ingram. It, I think it's frustrating that the Saints don't seem to like him as much as they should. But he's been a productive fantasy back. I, I don't, I don't get how Adrian P. I, I, I don't want any part of Adrian Peterson where he's being drafted, which is round four. What do you think? I totally agree with you. He's another player. I, I don't see him getting better as he ages. And I agree that Ingram is an excellent running back. That said, in what you were leading toward, there's something that must be going on in Sean Payton's mind that he must have some issues with Ingram. And I don't know what those are. I, I don't know if he's not carrying out the play design as expected. Don't know what the problem is. But we see an excellent player. And supposedly a coach who's a genius who's choosing not to use him. I'm sure he had a lot of influence on Peterson being brought in. So in my mind, he does have a clear idea for Peterson. So I think Peterson gets work, but I can't see a situation where Ingram is not used. So Peterson being drafted, I mean, he'll get some work, but they're going to realize, oh, he's not the same guy he was. So I'm with you. I can't draft him. Ingram's a better player. And at some point, Talent does have to win, you think, right? Right. I, I would think so. And, and again, old guy, I mean, maybe he runs near the goal line, but maybe he dings Ingram too much, but he doesn't as a standalone, I mean, round four, no way. He's not my, I'm not going into the season saying I'm going to start him most weeks. No chance. Forget that. That's a fantastic point, John. You're right on it there. All right, wide receivers. Here's an interesting guy. Um, the first guy you mentioned, you know, to me, Demarius Thomas. We are I, – I, I don't know – nobody's excited about Demarius Thomas anymore due to his quarterback situation. He's being drafted as, I'm looking, number 16 at wide receiver. And we look and you go, oh, you know, the quarterbacks stink. And, you know, it's almost like two years ago we all loved him. He was a top five receiver. And now he's sort of an afterthought. That's a shrug your shoulders, you know, I guess in the fourth round i got to take him as my second receiver because he's Demarius Thomas. You, you are more exuberant about him than that, aren't you? Yes, and the reason is Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy was coaching Demarius in, I believe, 2012 when he broke out. And McCoy is all about getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And when Thomas heard the news that McCoy was back, he said something along the lines of, I got my play back, which means that bubble screen. And Thomas, isn't he amazing when he catches that ball off that screen pass? I mean, he can run by you. He can run through you. He can run over you. And he has his playback. He lost his play for a couple of years. And so he just became more of, you know, uh, not completely downfield, but he wasn't being used in his most effective capacity. And I had heard that he injured his hip, I believe, on the first series of the first game last year, and he played through terrible pain last year. Now let's back up to the quarterback situation because you bring up a great point. Well, if the, the screen pass is back in play for him, even if you have a bad quarterback, the quarterbacks they have, I believe they can execute those passes. And I think that helps Thomas 
and then Thomas still will be used downfield. He will be the centerpiece of that passing offense. And McCoy is very slanted toward the pass, and he will call for Thomas's number frequently in the offense. So I think he's going to be high volume, and I think he's going to be back to the guy that we had a few years back. All right, next thing I want to talk about is being drafted in a similar area, late third, early fourth, Allen Robinson. So he has a quarterback that, God bless him, can't throw the ball straight. <laughs> um, they, they seem committed to running more, obviously, because they drafted Fournette. Their defense should be good. I mean, could be really good, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So now... You want me? I'm gonna. I'm, I'm presenting my case here. You want me to entrust my wide receiver two spot to a guy on a run first team that should be in low scoring games with a bad quarterback. I love that setup. You made you put you painted me into a corner with that. One. I love it. Fantastic, John. But I do have an answer. Okay. Um, Allen Robinson's talent on its own merits. Is through the roof. Yep. When I when I see his athletic ability, it is absolutely incredible. I saw two years ago that Blake Bortles was able to get him the ball, and in that offseason, he had trained with I believe Tom House, and he was working on his passing. Well, I think he got a little too confident because last year he didn't work with anybody, and his game regressed. This past offseason, Bortles went back to work with a quarterback coach. I don't believe it was House. I believe it was someone else. And he went back to learning his craft. Now, I agree. Defense could be lights out. The rushing attack could be great. But at that point, if Bortles, as it appears, put in the work, that offense will support a number one receiver. Every offense in some capacity can support one dominant receiver. Right. And if defenses have to start playing the run against them, then that means better scenarios in the defensive end that Robinson's going to face. And I think a player of his talent, and if Bortles put that work in, then I don't see any reason why Robinson won't be an elite player because on his own merits, he is one. He was just missed so horribly on so many targets last year. I saw a ball sailing to the side on, but I, I expect some improvement. I, I was thinking, it, it made, this made, conversation made me think of, I think they did one of the, they had a color rush Thursday night game, the Jags and the Titans. <laughs> and Bortles was bouncing balls. He did, he did the Bortles, you know, fourth quarter, you know, made up for things in garbage time or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but he was bouncing balls to Robinson and all that. And I was just about to say, that this year's obligatory Thursday Titans Jags game could actually be really good, but they don't have a Thursday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they owe us that one. Yeah. They, I, what would you think? How fun would it be? Jags Titans week 17. I wish I could get odds on if a game could get flexed because I think I could get good odds on that one. And they're both pretty good, right? I mean, this, that game could matter. Can you believe we're saying that about the Jags and the Titans? Yes. It's really a great thought because, right, we've buried those teams. And, and talking about the Jaguars, and I know every year they seem to add defensive talent and it's going to be the year. But the guys they added this year and Jalen Ramsey improving in his second year coming along at corner – and they're getting players back from injuries. I don't see how that defense does not perform this year. Do not see it. And so I love that idea. Yeah, that could be a great flex game. 
I, I, wow. I would love New Year's Eve. I, I'm, I'd be happy to watch that. I'm sure. Again, I'm sure you know my wife and friends at whatever New Year's Eve party be happy. What are you gonna do? I, I gotta watch Jags Titans. Come on. Are you kidding? <laughs> what else would I be doing? The game had a 1.2 rating last year. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, going back to Washington, we talked about Cousins. Uh, do you like Pryor's fit there? I love Terrell Pryor, and I think one thing that people get hung up on sometimes is they don't take a look at the player in terms of his potential growth as what he's shown. Pryor was so green at receiver last year, and he was amazing with bad quarterback play. But any report that you read about him this offseason, he was working with Randy Moss. He is working to improve his craft. And he is an, an exceptional athlete, and he proved he's a great football player. And he is only going to get exponentially better. He has nowhere near reached his ceiling yet. And I think he's going to realize that very quickly. He is an amazing athletic marvel, and he really cares about his craft. All right, I want to go to the other side of the field there. Uh, Josh Doxson, first-round pick last year, a lot of nothing with injury. Uh, do, do you think – I think the talent is there, but do we th- – are, are you willing to – I mean, he's not – again, another one, not going to cost you much. Is he a guy that's going to be on some of your teams? He won't be because I have a lot of receivers that I'm targeting later in the draft that he doesn't fit that list, and that's the only reason. So in my eyes, and you made a good point to say this, he's basically a rookie this year. Mm -hmm. And usually rookie receivers who make an impact are the guys that are exceptional talents, like Beckham Jr., Um, but it very rarely happens that a rookie receiver makes a huge impact. So if this is indeed his true rookie season, I don't know that he's that guy that's going to make that impact, but I can't fault you for taking him at the point of the draft you are because their passing attack is excellent. He will never see a top-end corner, not ever, but most likely won't see it frequently, and he certainly won't see double teams. So if his talent moves forward and proves what we thought he was, then, yes, you make a very viable case for drafting Josh Doxson for your team. Okay. Um, Some other guys you like. We're not going to expand on the whole list uh, more than other people. You've got a list of Moncrief, Cam Meredith, Pierre Garcon, Quincy Inunua, uh last man standing. Kenny Britt, who I feel like a lot of people – my Ru- I have to stick up for my Rutgers guy, Kenny Britt. So, uh, like, <laughs> but you've got Tyler Lockett on your list. Now, last year, Tyler Lockett was a popular guy at this point last year. I think people were drafting him sixth or seventh round. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of metrics that I think people liked about Tyler Lockett, other, and in addition to looking at him and saying, hey, wow, that's a really good-looking receiver. Um, things didn't pan out on the fantasy front last year. Why do you think he's going to bounce back a bit? He's free. That first thing is he's, he's free. free. You're right. getting him so late in drafts. There's, you're, there's no risk. If three weeks into the season, nothing's going on, you can cut him. But I believe that they when they – put them on their team they see a dynamic playmaker and i really believe that they want to get the ball in his hands and and because when he's going well he is a very very talented nfl player and so i think based on his opportunity to have a big season if he's healthy i think the free cost and fantasy drafts make him a great lottery ticket okay um the the guys on this list, and I, I can see that, but it's another one. He's free, and yeah, I, I get that. Um, guys you don't like, 
Keenan Allen is on your list here. Does the Mike Williams news alter your view of Keenan Allen at all? I thought about emailing you yesterday after I signed my list and I heard the Mike Williams news, Williams news because that was one of my main reasons behind downgrading him. They had added, they have a number of targets. They have Williams, um, Tyrell Williams broke out last year. Travis Benjamin played with a PCL injury almost the whole season, and he is a very good player. And at the end of the day, Keenan Allen is a possession receiver. I know he plays on the outside. But he gets about 10 yards per reception most of the time, and he's a volume-driven player. Um, so the Mike, I, I need to hear more about Mike Williams because I, late last night I heard another report, well, maybe it's not surgery now. So it's so up in the air. So if Williams is definitely out, I may become back in on Allen. Okay. And that's going to be the, the the thing during training camp. But but if there's any chance Williams is going to play any type of significant role, even for a half a season, because he projects as a guy who can be used near the goal line and in short yards, big frame guy, I think that hurts the possession type, which Allen is. All right. And, and just so everybody knows, the last report, yesterday there was a report that Williams is going to need surgery. As uh, Jim mentioned, the most previous report is surgery is maybe or probably not going to happen, and uh, he might start on the pup list, and after that, who knows. Okay, um, Doug Baldwin. This surprised me that, that you're not a big Doug Baldwin guy. Again, everything's relative to ADP and all that. Um, Doug Baldwin going inside the top 12 receivers right around the 2-3 turn. Um, why, why don't you – I think we – I think the conventional wisdom is that we underrate Doug Baldwin. And you feel like people are probably overrating him at this point. Yeah, we're looking at him now as like a wide receiver one. And I know he has plenty. He has these big weeks. He comes up with these big, big two touchdowns, three touchdowns, huge games here and there. And I get that. But part of my thinking is I'm, I'm such a believer in Tyler Lockett. that That's part of the, the flip side of this, that I believe that he, if healthy, is an elite type receiver. And I believe that he would take volume away from Baldwin. Baldwin is volume dependent because he has been heavily targeted by Russell Wilson. But I think that if Lockett is healthy, then I think enough of the target share gets taken away from Baldwin that I think he's not, on talent alone, he's not a wide receiver one. He's talent alone, he's probably a lower end wide receiver two. But Russell Wilson has kind of elevated him to that status. Again, my opinion. Right. And if somebody right. else emerges, then I think that is going to take away from the volume that he's going to need if he's going to pan out as a wide receiver one. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Um, Tyree Kill, polarizing. We've used the word polarizing once or twice in this one, and Tyree Kill is polarizing. Tyree Kill, ADP-wise right now. Going as the number 20 wide receiver somewhere in the fourth round. I think that he's, he's certainly explosive. He, I think it undersells him to a point to call him a gadget guy. But they've cleared the path for him to get more volume. Do, do, for, basically, you, you talked about watching every snap. Do, does Tyree Kill have the route running ability to be a good NFL wide receiver? 
Now that the NFL knows who he is, I do not believe that he does. And I, I mentioned earlier, I think anybody is capable of fooling the league, note Chip Kelly, for a period of time, and you can get away with it. Hill is certainly explosive, but I believe he was still catching the league by surprise. If he's thrust into a number one role, I do not believe his route running is such that he is going to be a tactician that is going to get by, which is now going to be double coverage. Because if you're a number one guy, you're probably going to, if certainly with his speed, he's going to get bracketed by a safety. And I don't believe he has the route running ability to beat a number one corner and a safety consistently. Okay. I, I don't, I, I, I'm skeptical about that as well. So, I mean, I, I think the price is just too rich for me at this point. Uh, Correct. Last guy I want to talk about, Martavis Bryant. Freak, freak talent. Um, big play guy. Now costing you a probably a fourth or early fifth round pick. What do you think? I know Antonio Brown is going to continue to see more targets than he can handle. And I always worry about the week-to-week volatility of a player like Bryant. Love him for DFS. I love him in best ball leagues. In a regular league where I'm setting a lineup, at that price, he gets me nervous because of the weeks when he'll completely disappear. Talent-wise, I can't agree with you more. He's an amazing football player. And, and, I, and, if, and I hate to take off-season reports about conditioning because they're always overblown. But apparently he put on a significant amount of muscle, and he was a physical um, freak before. And if he even improved that, he could be a steal at his draft position. Right. He's, he's the third option in his offense. Correct. Yeah. That makes me very nervous. Um, no matter yes. what the offense is. Okay. And remember, Ben Roethlisberger in road games, how horrible he is. So now what's going to happen with Bryant in those weeks when he can hardly sustain Antonio Brown in those weeks and when he's thinking up the joint? Right. That's a good point. All right, everybody, out of new fantasy football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and college players in the player pool. Stash college prospects for the future. Do you play, college, do you play in dynasty leagues where you stash college guys? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and not new leagues, like you're saying, one with the RotoWire guys, actually. Right. Okay. Um, we might need to. I, I might need to start one of those to get myself warm. You know, to get myself into it uh, a little more. I play in a college league, which last year I just tanked. It was terrible, but whatever. <laughs> um, stash college prospects for the future, like I said. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple seasons and play against the best fantasy football competition on the Internet. That's out of new fantasy football, O-T-T-O-N-E-U, out of new All right, we're going to get to our tight ends. We already talked about Eric Ebron. And we're going to talk again about Eric Ebron at some point because we both love Eric Ebron. Uh, Good. We're, not, we're not the only ones, certainly. <laughs> Um, you're, by, you're on the Jack Doyle train. I think there's a bunch of people on the Jack Doyle train. You're on it with him. Yeah, I, I mean, basically, the offensive line is improving. They added players last year. It, it, they were starting to show improvement. I think another year they're a little more improved. It's going to be, obviously, a heavy passing attack. And we just a little bit more protection. 
Doyle proved to be a very reliable target for Andrew Luck, and I don't see how that stops now. And they really don't have a clearly established third receiver. And so I think he continues to get quite a bit of action, and I think he sees quite a bit of work in the red zone. This offense will move the ball. Their defense is bad, so they'll have to score plenty of points. And so, again, volume-based and trust with Andrew Luck. Yeah, Jack Doyle, if for where he's going in drafts, it's and I'm getting him as a second tight end in some leagues, especially the best ball leagues where you need multiple tight ends. But I have him about 13th at tight end, which I think is a good place to get him. Yeah, and that's about where he snuck up to at this point, it looks like. So, okay. And, and, and I'm buying that. He, he was pretty good. And I, I was one of the Dwayne Allen owners last year, which that just that was, anno- that was terrible. Um, all right, the other two tight ends you have who, who are guys, speaking of free guys... You've got Jermaine Gresham and Xavier Grimble on your list. First of all, so in Pittsburgh, you're, you're not on the Jesse James train. You think Grimble probably wins that job and gets some red zone targets, I guess. Yeah, I think James will be more of a blocker. But in the limited action that I saw Grimble in, he looked accomplished in his ability to get down the field. And, and I know they really wanted Ladarius Green in that role last year. And I don't think he's Ladarius Green. But I think that he does have the ability, again, as a backup tight end. Um, I didn't know where he's free. I'm not looking saying start Xavier Grimble as a top 12 guy. But as a but as a guy in deeper leagues, if you can put him on your roster, and if he ends up emerging, he, he could be a very sneaky guy. Ben Roethlisberger has always made good use of his tight ends. Right. Agreed. Um, why Gresham in Arizona? Why Gresham now? Well, I mean, yeah, fit, fit. So you still got Fitz there. You got John Brown, hopefully healthy. Um, is J.J. Nelson the third starting receiver at this point? Correct. Right. Okay. Um, why Gresham? Yes. Uh, Carson Palmer is not getting any better. His arm is not as strong as it used to be. Taking more hits. And I noticed last year as the season was going on, Gresham was getting more involved. He wasn't having huge games, but he's getting four catch games, 40 yards, 50 yards. And he was being, and he was using the red zone too. And I think the older that both Larry Fitz get, and Palmer gets, I think it's an opportunity. There'll be more short passes where Palmer will be looking to get rid of the ball. And Gresham showed enough chemistry with him to be able to use him. Now, I, I think this is um, Gresham is a player that you might target in tight end bonus leagues like the FFPC where you get a point and a half per reception. Again, best ball leagues, if you need a backup tight end, you need a third tight end. Um, you're not looking for a ton of upside, but you're looking for a guy who could be a very viable, useful player with volume. And I think he'll, he won't be great, but he'll build on what he did last year and he'll be a very serviceable tight end because tight ends could fall off the cliff and be very useless once you get past a certain point. And I think he'll outperform that. Okay. Um, the guys on your, let's say your stay away list or don't like list. Delaney Walker, I think, makes a lot of sense. Just be the, all the mounts to feed and all that stuff, and you think they're going to run. We talked about the Titans a bunch. Kyle Rudolph. So Kyle Rudolph, seven touchdowns last year, 83 catches, 840 on a team that just does not throw the ball downfield, really. Um, well, why, why are you off Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, last year, their line was so bad. Yes. Not injuries, they were depleted. They had nothing going their way. It got to a point where Bradford basically got rid of the ball as quickly as possible. And that made Rudolph an outstanding player, gave him maybe his career season. I do believe 
couple of additions along the offensive line, a little more health this year. I think their line will be below average, but not catastrophic. And I think Sam Bradford is, at the end of the day, he's a better quarterback than we think he is. And I think with a little more time, he'll have a better running back behind him. I think there'll be more opportunity to throw the ball a little more downfield. And I think he won't have to go to Rudolph out of necessity, basically trying to save his life from the onslaught of the pass rush. So I think that it was a volume-driven season that's not likely to repeat itself because of the improvements on the Minnesota offense. Okay. Uh, last question. OJ, we talked about some guys here that you liked. And let's say Jack Doyle is 13th at tight end. Ebron's 14th per ADP. OJ Howard's 11th. Now, OJ Howard being a top – what number was he picked? Was he 8th or 12th? I forget which. Um, yeah. He was in the teens, and he was so 12th or just a little after that. So I think it was 18. He I slipped a little. 18. Yeah, because the Panthers were eighth, and there were rumors that they were good. So he slipped a little, but he's still a first-round pick. Everybody really likes the athleticism, the ability, and the talent and all that. And, you know, that said, you know, claimed that he wasn't used properly at Alabama, which is probably some merit, too. Um, mm-hmm. O.J. Howard... You probably do you think he's being overdrafted as a top twelve tight end, or is he a guy you don't? I will not own him, and the reason is it's people love their rookies, and I get it at some positions at running back. Yes, rookies can translate very well at receiver, not so much, and at tight end, no way. It's so infrequent that a rookie tight end comes in and is a tight end one as a rookie. So rare. I honestly believe that if you were to give me Vegas odds, I would bet that Cameron Brait outscores O.J. Howard because I think they're going to use two tight ends frequently, but I believe Howard's going to be the blocker and Brait's going to be the receiver. Okay. That's That's my thought. Not good for people who are looking to draft O.J. Howard right now. And he's going in uh, round 10-ish of of draft 12-team drafts. So. All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out at rotowire.com slash pod. Jim, this was fantastic. Uh, I know people are going to want to check in with you. I know we'll check in with you again during draft season. What else are you going to be working on over the next month, month and a half? Rotowire has me on the IDP this year, so I'm going to be buried in defensive players for quite a while, and it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about the challenge. So, yeah, that's going to take up a lot of my time for a while, I think. All right. Yeah, that's that's something, by the way, every every week I get IDP questions on Twitter, and I basically say, I mean, you have the wrong guy. So I'm going to send them to you. This thing. Yeah, absolutely. Every IDP question at Jim Cove Football, Jim Cov Football on Twitter. Again, I'm at jhalpin37. You can catch us at Rotowire and at Rotowire NFL. Uh, Jim, we're going to do this again soon. All right, man. I look forward to it. Okay, everybody. If you like this podcast, we'd always appreciate it if you can leave us a review and a rating. That would be great. It would help me a lot um, to you know make my bosses real happy. Uh, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Friday. Mike Clay, ESPN. So please check back for that one. For Jim Coventry, I'm John Halpin, and we will see you again on Friday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.